0: Welcome to the Cracked Pots Podcast. I'm
1: Pastor Rebecca. And I'm Pastor Chad.
0: This week's text, we were talking about Job 28 and the search for wisdom.
1: So this will be a really, really short podcast.
0: It will, because you know what the wisest thing you can do
1: is? Shut up. That's about as long as I can be quiet. I
0: was wondering how long that would go. Um, Yeah, so... I mean, there, there wasn't a whole lot in terms of the text itself of, you know, the searching for wisdom that I really preached on. Uh, I preached more on the story of Job um, because... It's so happy. It, it is a very happy story. But, uh, you know, what was kind of going on in, in in this particular text was, of course, Job was trying to figure out um, the... the you know where do you find wisdom where do you get it where 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 does does the um you can't buy it you can't just you, you can't go searching for it and find it and, and acquire it it's it's something that just kind of is and uh the the wisdom of god of course being a far superior form of wisdom because we can only our, our, our God's wisdom tends, to, as Paul says, God's wisdom is foolishness to us um, many, many times because it does not seem like a really wise thing to do to um, become incarnate in, in your son of, of Jesus and then, and then kill him off. <laughs> well, I, I, mean, I think,
1: I think there's, there's a selfish nature to humanity. No matter how unselfish we are, there's a selfish nature to humanity. We
0: have self-preservation. Pre- that I mean.
1: limits our wisdom in a sense of we can be as wise as we can be as long as it we can see some benefit for us in, in a lot of aspects. Um, Do you
0: remember the, it's gonna of course date us, the friends episode where Phoebe is attempting to do a completely yes. selfless act.
1: Yes. And it's hilarious because she'll do something. I did it. Oh, darn, I feel good about it. And yeah, then yeah. she's like, Don't
0: <laughs> it Hi. was, you need to do something and feel really horrible about having done it and, and not feel good that it, you know, and so she finally thought she found something and she was like, I feel really terrible because I did that, you know, this and, and whatever. And then she found out like what good came from that and it made her feel good again, and she was like, "Dang it!" <laughs> Trying to find that that one uh, selfless act that just doesn't make you you feel good or, or you know something like that, where it's this truly um, sacrificial thing that hurts and and isn't you, you aren't getting any kind of benefit out of it. Yeah. And I don't know that that's even really though the whole point. Um, I mean, I mean, the question is, does God get something out of it? Obviously, he 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 likes the relationship with humanity to some degree. <laughs> he, he, and
1: sometimes I really wonder why. I,
0: yeah, yeah. There's there's something about the relationship <laughs> with humanity that he 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 likes and he loves and he wants. So, you know, I don't know if if there there really is such a thing as even for God that doesn't involve at least for God uh, you know i w- i want this this is this is something that's good um but yeah getting getting to figuring out where where wisdom comes from especially when you are in the midst of turmoil
1: yeah I, I, you know, I, I'm sitting here and I'm thinking okay so what what brings about wisdom and you go oh it's age and there's some truth to that, because you've experienced things, and maybe that's part of God's wisdom. God has the ability to oversee and see what's going on everywhere, and that creates a level of wisdom that we can't right. like, We can't fathom, and, and never will be able to. Um, so we're kind of limited in our perspective, which is one of the points of Job. The book of yes. Job is like, listen, your perspective is your perspective. God's perspective is everyone and everything, everywhere is perspective. Yeah. And I, and I, I would imagine that from that you gain a lot of wisdom. So the the more you read, the more you travel, the more you the more worldly you become, so to speak. There's a, there's a level of wisdom because you've experienced more things and more cultures and different perspectives and and those and those types of things. So you know maybe there's something to that, but it's still hard to unlock and tap into individually especially when we're in the midst of chaos or turmoil or heartache. Um,
0: yeah, and, and I don't know about you, but at least for me, the, the older I get, the more I experience things and the more things I go through, um, the, the less judgmental I get of other people. I mean... Most it, days
1: I will agree with that. Yeah,
0: well, but, I mean, from the standpoint of... I mean, I know there was a point in my life where I was like, I don't get why people do this, you know, da-da-da-da-da. And as I've gotten older and gone through a few things myself, I'm kind of like, I get how this happens. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, I understand how people find themselves now in X situation or something along those lines.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, and I think, especially if you've had something happen that others have reacted negatively to, mm-hmm. and you go, Wow. I was probably that person that reacted negatively to someone. Oof, that's not a good look. Yeah. Um, and and that and that's hard. You know, we've talked over and over and over about our our um, our lack of willingness, inability, or uh, whatever you want to call it, to self reflect. Um, and I think it, and I think that that kind of plays into what you're talking about. Know, you know ha- yeah you you see a situation you witness a situation and we make that snap judgment and you go oh wait a minute that's not
0: yeah that's so so kind of like job's friends going well you must have done something you yeah, know it, right. it's it's you you had to have done x y or z or you um you know surely this is because you did this and You know, a lot of times, that's how we approach a lot of things, too, where we see people who are down on their luck or whatever. It's like, well, what have they done in their life that has led them to that point? And, you know, they get what they deserve kind of idea, you know, thing. And recognizing how much more complicated those kinds of situations are.
1: So for me... Family Promise was one of those areas that really helped helped expand my my thought and my perspective, because you have families coming into a program, and what's our stigma of homeless? Oh, they're lazy. Oh, they're deadbeats. They're drug addicts. They're
0: they don't want to work. They're they're mentally
1: ill. Whatever. And in fact, in a lot of cases, the issue is they had a medical bill. And because of the medical bill, they found themselves homeless. And they were working people, they had a child that got sick, they had to take care of their child, whatever, they became homeless. And it expands my expanded my perspective of what it of what causes homelessness. Now, that's not to say that there, there isn't a link. You know, there are people that because of mental illness become homeless. There are people because of addiction, all those things. That that happens. But it's not every person that's homeless. And having experienced and met some of the families from Family Promise, having the opportunity to get to know them and understand their situation, you go, oh, wait a minute, the snap judgment isn't oh, you're living in your car because you're deadbeat. You might be living in your car because you had a medical bill, and you know then you lost your job. Oh, and then you lost your medical insurance, and that whole, that yeah, whole yeah, everything's level kind of, of a chaos.
0: cyclical sort of thing that plays into uh, the situation. I mean. You can but even if they are quote a, a deadbeat or whatever, um and are an addict or, or anything along those lines, you also have to, to, to look at um, what has played into that and, yes. and what has what has you know perpetuated that and, and recognizing there are just some personalities that are addictive personalities.
1: Hold hold that thought for one second. Because I, I want I want to go down that road again, but I also want to pause for a second and say, no matter what your situation is, you deserve a level of dignity. Absolutely. And, yes. And, and we and we and that's not always a given, and it should be. Yeah. Um, if you're if, if someone is addicted, they still deserve dignity. If someone has you know whatever whatever their situation, mental illness, um, w- they still deserve dignity. But yeah, let's let's go back down that trade that down that road that you were going because you're absolutely right. There's systems in place that often lead to these things that are completely beyond their control. Yeah.
0: And um I I guess I've I've been around and dealt with enough um people with addictions to know that it is it, it's not as easy as just saying I'm just going to control it. Right. I, I mean, that's I do not happen to have an addictive personality, so it's harder for me to understand how you get addicted to stuff because I have not ever experienced it. Um, I find myself thankful for that. I I have my other issues. (laughs) Addiction is not one of them, but that doesn't mean that that makes me somehow better or worse, that my other things that I deal and cope with aren't somehow just can be just as destructive in other ways. We cetera, all have our own crap. Yeah, we all have our own things that are really, <laughs> really hard to to deal with and overcome um, that are somehow ingrained in our personality um, that that always somehow manages to manifest itself in some form of dysfunction in one, one realm or another. And um, there just always seems to be something in your life that's always a little whacked something a little out of balance. Now, for some people, when that gets out of balance, it really screws up everything else. Yep. And it, it affects work, and it affects those things. And um, we can sit there and say, okay, you're to blame for blah, blah, blah. I just don't know how helpful that winds up being ultimately. So I go back to the Job's friends where before we Decide that we're going to pass a judgment on why someone's where they're at. Maybe we just sit with them.
1: So let's. So Job overall is the book fact or fiction? Is Job an, is this is this a is this a real life account?
0: I'm gonna that, get in trouble with my answer. There's a
1: guy named Job. I'm leading. Um, there's a guy named Job, and this actually happened to Job. True or false? Maybe. Maybe. I, right. I, I, right. I, I, maybe. yeah.
0: I We don't know for sure.
1: Right. I, I will I, I will. So for, me, so for me, I think one of the clues is Joseph, Job is a perfect dude.
0: Yeah, he's completely blameless right? and whatever, like, righteous. Like, the, the,
1: the, excuse me, the story basically starts saying Job is perfect. Yeah. He's blameless. He does, which, which, for me, the alarm bells go off and go whoop, whoop, whoop. Pay attention. So maybe this isn't a true story. Yes. Maybe it is, maybe it isn't. So Job is perfectly, absolutely blameless, and what happens? Beyond him losing everything, his friends, air quote friends, assume that he ain't perfect. He did. These some. are his friends. These are these are you know strangers on the street. These are you know uh, next the Joneses next door. Um, you know these are his his friends, the people who come to him. When he's down and out,
0: they're supposed to be there to provide him with some kind of comfort,
1: right? And they're like, "Well, so Job, you should take comfort in knowing that, you know, you probably screwed up, and this is why this is happening. No idea how that's how that's helpful." And and you know, um, and
0: yet, it's how we so often
1: right, right. So 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 if you take nothing from this podcast, nothing from the Book of Job. when someone's struggling to say, well, yeah, well, you probably shouldn't have done, whether it's something real or not, um, whether you have to make something up as the excuse or it's, it's very evident what, what the reason is, um, you know, maybe don't point that out in that time of turmoil.
0: Right. This this maybe is not the time yeah. or the place. Maybe in in a therapy session, you know, you can start delving into why why did these patterns happen, that kind of stuff, if there is such a thing. But in but the as a friend, Joe, you ain't a therapist. Yeah, as a friend, you are not a therapist. You were there to listen.
1: And if if my wife happens to listen to this, who is who is a therapist? Um, I I, I should point out that her constant reminder of know your limitations. Yes. Know when to refer to actual counselors. Um, and professional counseling, um, and that's hard, because we all want to help. And it's, if it's a loved one or a friend, we want to help. But sometimes the best help we can do, the best thing we can do, the best help we can provide, is not be the person that tries to be their counselor, but just as the person that's kind of there.
0: Yep. Yeah. And that that always, for me, when I when I read this, you know, the whole story of 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 Job is, like I said in my sermon, my takeaway is don't be Job's friends. Don't, don't be like that. Don't be those guys. <laughs> um, you know, don't, don't try to assign blame or whatever. You know, there's... And at the same time, I also don't want to say there isn't some benefit to sometimes speaking hard truths to people. Um, sure. There comes a time and a place for that. Yep. Um, it usually is not when everything is falling apart for them, though. That That's usually not the time and the place to, to have that kind of a conversation with them. Yeah. Um, is, is when, when they're in the midst of their grief and their turmoil and whatever, to to be the presence of God in their life at that moment usually involves simply just being and listening and having what we call the ministry of presence. We talked a little bit about that last week, I think. Yep. Um, not, not presence like um, gifts, but <laughs> presence as be, in being present yeah. with uh, people. And that's probably one of the biggest lessons that you and I learned when we were in seminary was how often our job is to just sit and listen and, and to not offer counsel. Yeah. And I've had to many times tell people, look, I'm not a counselor, and that's not my role, that's not my job. Yep. Um, let me refer you. And that can make people mad because they, they they there's been a blurring, I think, of those lines of what a pastor's job and role is many times. Yeah. Is, well, why can't you do my marital counseling for me and, and fix our marriage? Um, and I'm like, well, because I... I don't have the training or the tools to, to do that, yeah. um, or it is
1: hard because you know part of that ministry of presence is a ministry of relationship, and you, and there's a relationship established, and there's a comfort level when someone comes to you, mm-hmm. um, and 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 that's great, and I, I always say I can I might be able you might need to get from point A to point Z, I can't get you from A to Z. Right. I might get. I m- maybe a I can C. get you from <laughs> A to C or A to D, but I can't get you the whole way there. Yeah. So there just needs to be an understanding that I will. I will walk with you from A to Z.
0: Right. Um, we're not gonna. We we don't just say okay, go 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 see a therapist and then don't talk to us anymore. That's not what we mean either. Correct.
1: Yeah. Um, and, but it is hard. It is hard.
0: Yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, since we're guess we're on the topic of this. I think we've discussed it briefly before um is is h- how to deal with with some of the mental health issues when they're involved in the church. And and it's and it's hard. It's it's really hard in, in in number one knowing how to set boundaries.
1: Yep.
0: And yet number two being open and available to people. And there's there's that fine line of being open and available to people and um and, and being present with them, but also having to set boundaries that are healthy. And yeah. because a lot of times you can, you can get, sometimes people that, that take advantage or are a little bit overwhelming in, in their needs and, and things like that, and eventually you have to set some kind of boundary with them, um, which a lot of times to them seems like you're abandoning them.
1: Yeah, and, it, and it's hard. It, it, it's hard to set that boundary because you, you you know that you're traveling with these people you you want to help you want to you want to help yep. I, I mean there's there's no I mean there's no there's no blurred lines there it, it's a desire to want to help um, people when they're struggling and sometimes it's also hard for us to us us being clergy not necessarily just the two of us um, I think it's part of you know part of the call. And and the nature of folks who, who are called into ministry is, is to want to help. Um, and it's hard to say I can't. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not capable of
0: of helping beyond yeah. just yeah. being Job's yeah. friend s- yeah. that w- can, when when they first arrive and, and just sitting and listening.
1: I, I had I had someone who desperately needed counseling and, and it was like like if you could if you had a billboard um, that said If you ask the question, who needs, you know, what what do you need counseling for? This person, I mean, they like checked all the boxes, like like loud billboard screaming, um, this person needs counseling. They were a great person, but they had so many life events that were just traumatic, like truly traumatic life events. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a comfort level, and they would call me frequently. This was at a a, a previous call and and I I would I would I would engage and like listen, you know, I I love that, you know, you feel comfortable talking to me openly. You have to find someone else you feel comfortable with because I can't shoulder the whole burden. I can't shoulder and and I can't I can't get you beyond this. Mm -hmm. Like I'm this is the analogy I gave. So I'm the hamster wheel. Like you can get in and you can run and burn off some steam, but I don't want you to have to keep getting on that hamster wheel because it's not healthy to keep being on that hamster I need you need to get into, you know, get somewhere where you can get help that you don't have to keep going to the hamster wheel to burn off that steam.
0: Well, it stop going in circles. Yeah. You know, it's yeah. it's do something that actually takes you somewhere as opposed to just continuing.
1: Yeah. You need the hamster ball to run thing. there's you know, the ball you put the hamster in and they run around and then it's a really good analogy because like they poop in that thing and then the poop falls out the, the cracks, and you know maybe there's some maybe there's some wisdom in that you've,
0: you've really studied hamster balls, I'm impressed I, I had
1: some hamsters um, <laughs> as a kid um, I did not and they weren't sprinkles <laughs> um, and so I mean maybe there's some wisdom in that you you know when you get in the hamster ball, you can leave some of your poop behind um, yeah sorry it's it's a uh, it's Tuesday, but it's my Monday morning, because uh, Monday's my day off. So um,
0: <laughs> so, so that's yeah,
1: that's you my get, excuse. You get,
0: Ch- you get Chad uh, Monday brain on Tuesday yeah. uh, when we record, <laughs> <laughs> which, which apparently involves poop falling through cracks. This episode is brought to you by PetSmart.
1: <laughs> Please stop by today and pick up a hamster. Go to PetSmart. Call 1-800-HAMSTER-BALLS. Sorry. Next. So move right along. Let's
0: move along. Um, so, yeah. So, so, but there's wisdom involved, I think, for, for us in knowing where those limits are.
1: There's wisdom in keeping your mouth shut, <laughs> shut and not talking, and about, not talking ham- about hamster balls. Hamster yes. balls, yes. Um, there's
0: <laughs> but but there's, there's wisdom in knowing where the limit is um, and, yeah. and knowing when you're reaching your limit um, as well. And, you know, I sit there and I say, okay, let, let's be how Job's friends were at the beginning of uh, sitting and being present and just listening and whatever. But there does come a point also for, for the friends um, because even though we can be the presence of God, we are still not God, which means we're, we have limits and, and we have things that are, you know, but luckily there were three of them. And so maybe they could tag team. You know, I <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which uh, you know I I have done before with with uh, groups of friends where it's like okay, um, you know this person who is kind of going through crisis or whatever and and we do and we kind of would take turns of who who was who was caring for this individual because there would come a point where one of us would be like I'm exhausted I can't you know I I can't take this in anymore. Um, your turn <laughs> yeah, <tag laughs> you know, it. yeah, tag you're it um you're you're the one that gets to to sit and listen today, and it, it and and what always gets to me about it is is that as overwhelmed as I am, I can imagine what it's like for that person to live it yeah. and and have that overwhelming um sense of despair, sense of, of frustration, and, and whatever that they're, that they're living with.
1: So Job starts, the book of Job starts, he's blameless, wife, kids, you know, home, livestock, mm-hmm. like, like he has everything, that's kind of yes. how it's set up, right, Yes. and then everything's taken away, like boom, gone, yeah. loses wife, loses kids, loses livestock, loses wealth, like loses everything,
0: He's experiencing a side of life that um, he has never had to experience before, and, and yet that other people, yep. that's their norm.
1: Yep. And Job ends with spouse, family, everything, riches, everything story. everything back. Um, well,
0: as restored as it can be, because I'm sorry. Right. Um, you know, part part of the, the, the problem with the story <clears> of Job <throat> is that, you know, at the end, oh, he gets everything back. It's like, but, I mean... He he still has lost his, his, his first kid. Those
1: scars don't magically go away. No, th- th- those right. pain,
0: th- th- that pain, all that stuff does not yep. disappear because, oh, well, look, you know, you, you know having one child after you've lost a child does not replace that child.
1: And, and Job, throughout the book, remains pretty steadfast with God. Yeah. Like, Job, no, no, Jonah throws a fit, right? Jonah throws a temper tantrum. But Job, Job stays like.
0: Job treats it more like a court case. Yes. Jo- Job treats it yes. more like I, I, I didn't deserve this. I, I, I want to take. I want to take God to court. I, I you know, I want. I, I, I'm demanding yeah. answers here and yeah. some sort of. Um, and, and I think when we were in seminary, that's one of the ways it was portrayed: was that it's almost a court scene. Yeah. Of. Um, Job as putting, putting God as, as the, the defendant, so to speak. Yeah. Um, yeah. And he becomes the prosecutor of, hey, you know, why, why, why this? and. Yes.
1: So the bad theologian in me says, well, if you take from the book of Job that you should be steadfast in your commitment to God, and even through all the trials, you should be steadfast in your commitment to God because then you'll get everything back in the end. No. Like, that's bad theology. Yeah. Like, that's bad theology. And I'm, I'm not saying don't, don't remain steadfast with God in the midst of your turmoil. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying, you know, being steadfast in your relationship with God, even in the midst of your trials, does not mean that you get everything back. Mm-hmm.
0: The part of Job I really like, because you know I have kind of this love-hate relationship with the book of Job. The part of Job I really like, though, is... While Job remains steadfast, that doesn't mean he doesn't get angry. Correct. And he gets mad at God and kind of rages a little bit against God. Um, and personally, I, lo- I, I love his, his, his wife when she's like, just curse God and die. <laughs> just, just curse God and die. Get and, on with it. Yeah, and get on with it. Um, but, but there's permission, I think, in this story to, you know, for people to be angry. Um, there's, there's that permission that, that God doesn't come back and, and punish you because you're mad at him and, and say like, oh, well, you got mad at me, so, you know, I'm going to make things worse for you. Um, that's, that's not the response. That's not the way in which um, this story unfolds, which to me, I think can be very helpful for, because I think a lot of people feel they cannot be mad at God that they can't get angry with God that there's there's no room to be um
1: do you ever get do you ever get angry So this isn't this isn't to you anyway I say it you obviously understand y'all you mean. y'all y'all in Florida we can say y'all y'all get angry at your kids yep does that mean you don't love them nope
0: well I, I, I mean as a kid do you get mad at your parents right as I gonna say and
1: vice versa as Although as a kid, sometimes they may, you, you do hear that I hate you because you're mean, blah, blah blah blah. As a parent, sometimes the you know, kids go off that rabbit trail, not often. And do they do they mean it? No, but I mean like so as an adult, because I'm assuming we don't have a whole lot of kids listening. Maybe we do. That'd be awesome. Hey kids, um, stay in school. Um, <laughs> don't be listening during school. Um, but you know, so as a parent, you ever get mad at your kids? You ever get frustrated with your kids? Yep. Does that mean you don't love them? No, of course not. Same thing. You can get you can get frustrated with God. You can get angry with God. Do you still love God? I I mean, so for me, there's that parallel. Mm -hmm. You know, do you get do you get mad at your spouse? Yep.
0: So uh, my uh, my ex brother in law, uh, one time we were we were having a discussion about God, and he had gone through, you know, childhood cancer and some other things and whatever. One time he he said to me, he goes, well. Because I I'm sorry, I'm mad at God. I, I, can't, I, I can't get into this whole faith thing because I'm mad at God. And I just looked at him and I said, well, I said, if you're mad at God, you still have a relationship with God. Yep. And, and, and that means you, you're still, in, it may not be a great relationship, but it still means that you are in some kind of relationship with God because you still feel anger towards them. You You still have some sort of emotional connection to to God as opposed to just going full blown atheist and saying, I don't think you exist and bye, I'm done. Right. And and um, you know, you're dead to me kind of thing. Yep. Is, is is to me, I'm like, as long as you're angry, you're still in relationship. May not be great, but there's relationship that's there. Yeah. And I I have always said I don't think So the book of Job, again, reminds me, because we don't see the whole thing, and God knows we don't see the whole picture. God gets that about us. He understands we don't see everything that's going on. We don't understand everything that's going on. And therefore, in the midst of our inability to understand, he gets why we get angry. Right. And I think that's why he doesn't get mad at Job. He's like, yeah, well, all these things that have happened to you are really, really bad things. And I get why you're upset about them. I get why you're upset with me. You just have to understand uh, you don't see everything. But I know you don't see everything. So, and, you know, and I think that's kind of where, now I'm not a parent, but I would think also from a parent perspective, a lot of times you're doing things for your kids that your kids do not like. They don't like doing them. They don't like right. having X, Y, and Z. I'm and sorry you, you s- can't have a
1: sleepover at your friend's house that I've never met.
0: And they do not realize you're doing certain things because you know it's what's best and what's safe for them, da 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 da. Now, I'm not saying what happened to Job was what was best and what was safe for him, necessarily. But, um, it was one of those there's there's some uh, bigger thing at work that God knows, God sees, etc. Now, I personally take some comfort in um, the knowledge that the story of Job, for me, now I'm not saying everybody has to view it this way. You were asking if it was fact or fiction, and I said maybe. Yep. (laughs) Good Lutheran (laughs) answer. You know, maybe. Is it fact Um, or
1: fiction? Yes. Yes. That's a good Lutheran answer. Yeah.
0: Now, is it true? That's a totally different question. Ah. And I say, absolutely, the book of Job is true. Um, whether it is historically factual another you know that that i'm not necessarily going to to get a hundred percent on board with, I view it more kind of like the story of jonah as as being much more of a sort of parabolic type of story where it's it's there to teach us something it's there for a lesson it's not necessarily that this really happened right um and again, like you said, there's some clues regarding that in terms of him being completely blameless and, and, and whatever. I also think that the setup in the prologue tells us this is not necessarily... It, it, to, me, to me, it's an author looking for a way, how do I set this up in, a, in such a way that shows us Job did not do anything. So why would all of this stuff happen to right. Job if he had not done anything? And they're trying to make sense of it. Yep. What's a way to make sense of it? Well, God makes a bet with Satan. Now... Doesn't cast God in the best light, but nope. <laughs> but it certainly it casts Job in the role of a very blameless individual who gets caught in the midst of some bigger cosmic battle, so to and, speak. And
1: and you know, back to you know, not knowing people's circumstances, there are times when people end up homeless or whatever because of circumstances outside of their control.
0: Absolutely outside of their control. I mean, it's.
1: So
0: yeah, well, I mean it it <coughs> let's let's look at our current situation with with the pandemic yep. i mean we're we're looking at a huge homelessness crisis and problem, especially here in South Florida with the the rising costs of um, housing and the shortage yep. of availability of affordable housing, and recognizing that for a lot of people who are especially, you know, middle class and below, continuing to live here is going to become really, really hard for a lot of people. And especially if they're in service industry type jobs that really don't pay very well. And it's, you know, even even if you get them up to, something along like a fifteen dollars an hour, that's not that's not gonna cover what the, the cost of living is in this area right now. And this and so I don't know how some people are doing it to be quite honest. Um, I, I I look at my own struggles with certain things that have suddenly skyrocketed in in terms of you know, yeah. insurance costs and, and food, food costs. Food and et cetera Everything. and going, wow, this is, you know, this is this is I I'm, I'm having to kind of cinch my belt a little bit and be like I I got to pay closer attention to to what I'm spending money on because um <laughs> it's going out way faster than it used to. Yeah. And if I was already living on paycheck to paycheck that I mean and, and that's an un- that was an unforeseeable kind of Thing that now that people go, well, you just need to be getting a better job, get a better job, yeah, which
1: work two jobs, work three jobs, which I know a lot of
0: people do. Um, but then that exhausts you, you don't have any quality of life, etc., etc., and and Jesus wants us to have life and have it abundantly. Um, but that you know, I'm looking at that type of situation and saying, you know, this is this is through no fault of, of. their own. You know, they, they lost their jobs in the pandemic or, or whatever. Yeah. And um, and I know right now there's there are shortages for certain jobs, but at the same time, a lot of those those jobs don't pay enough for people to survive and they recognize that. And they're yeah. like, okay, I can take that job, but that's not going to solve my problem.
1: Yeah. we So having real-time conversation, you know, my son's a recent college graduate mm-hmm. and, you know, having a conversation about, Financing and or finances and budgets and you know and livable wages. It's like well, okay, so you can take that job, but that doesn't help. It really doesn't get you to where your bills are paid. Um, or it can pay your bills now, but
0: and a lot of those jobs come no with no room. benefits.
1: Yeah, right, exactly. So no exactly. health care,
0: no anything. Yep. So yep. one, you know, broken leg and. Your
1: <laughs> yeah, he had he had a, a, a dental issue, and it was nine hundred dollars. He's like, Dad, like I don't like nine hundred dollars. Now, luckily, we have dental insurance, so he had to we had to lay it out and then got it back. But like without insurance, you're you're out that thousand bucks, and if you're paycheck to paycheck, and your thousand and that thousand dollar dental bill is um, a month. Or two weeks worth of work, you're done. Yeah, you're done. I mean, I mean, now, of course, you know, we're we're not leaving them hang high and dry, but not everybody has that ability.
0: No, no not everybody um, has a, a fallback um, right. in terms of somebody who is able. Parent, parents, able grandparents, yeah, whatever, somebody that that's willing and able to to help you able out. Able to help. Yeah, a lot of people are completely on their own and. Um, this idea
1: of I'm, I'm reading a book called Black Fatigue by Mary Winters or something Mary something Winters I don't remember. Um, as part of a syned book discussion, and one of the co- one of the chapters was on generational. Was on, I think it was called Then Is Now, um, because it, it was kind of highlighting how much things haven't changed since you know the civil rights movement and and beyond, um, in terms of you know the economics of things, and the whole idea of generational wealth. Um, we are not wealthy. My family is not wealthy, but you know my wife's family is not wealthy. But there was s- there you know s- just something as simple as home ownership creates a- some wealth in some in some aspects. The ability to buy life insurance plans um, provides some wealth that, that can be passed down through generations. You know my, my parents are looking at assisted living facilities. Um, not assisted living, um, whole life community, whatever they're called, mm-hmm. um, you know, where it's not not the not stu- a, the, 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 stu- the great the gradual yeah, movement yeah, yeah. from one I f- I yeah, f- yeah, f-
0: one stage of life to another.
1: The name of those escapes me. I apologize. Um, and you know, in 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 having those initial dis- initial initial conversations, it's well, you you need X number of dollars before you can have a conversation, and it's not like. You got ten bucks in your in your bank account? Okay, we can talk. Um, you know, it's a significant amount of money for things like that. And I mean, those things can be crippling to families. Um, and then you end up in you know with you know, well, I can affo- what I can afford is you know subpar care, and 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 it's you know it's it's a cycle that the cycle isn't always God and Satan making a wager, playing craps with your life um in some cases unfortunately i think it's politicians both parties this isn't partisan both parties uh playing poker with your lives um for their own financial and political gain um let's just be honest because if we can if we can keep that situate that the system you know rolled in the way it is it's good for them because they're there mm-hmm. and they can continue and you know what doesn't really matter if we are helping those um those below get out of poverty or having the ability to have life abundantly
0: yeah
1: um, I mean again that's that's kind of the hallmark of, of, of Jesus ministry abundant life um, you know we've talked about you know just it just in this unraveled series so many different aspects of this series have been um, directly or indirectly how do we have abundant life uh, yeah. ne- next week's text is is the uh, is the demonic pigs? Um, so you know it's a mental health focus. You know abundant life. Mm-hmm. You know Job abundant life. You know I, it's just really. I mean it's it's, it's foundational in scripture uh, to have a to have life and have it abundantly. You know, that does not mean have things and have them abundantly. And I think in this in our culture we we don't always we make equate the, the two. We yeah. equate the two. Well, the more things I have, the more abundant my life is. Um, and we all fall into that trap from time to time. You know, we all, we all fall into that trap of, well, I just need more stuff. And the more stuff I have, the more abundant my life is. Right. Um,
0: I, I mean, to me, abundant life is just having the basic necessities of life and not just being completely and utterly exhausted um, to enjoy the, the, the basics of life. Yeah. And, I, I, you know, and I also, you know, we talk about, well, just get a better job or whatever. And so we say, okay, well, how do you do that? Well, you go and you get a college education. So we had a whole generation that we said, go get a college education. And so they spent tens of thousands of dollars in student loans, um, because most of them were not coming from generational wealth of some sort. Um, You know, it was, I'm doing this on my own. So they took out these loans. They usually worked um, while they were doing that, got out. And. I, I think it was something like less than 50% of college graduates were actually able to get jobs in the field that they had gone into. Yeah. And then they have these these crippling student debts that they then have to somehow pay off. And people are like, oh, well, I did it, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I, I don't think we are recognizing... Um, so a friend of mine from seminary was pointing out the other day. She said you know, I, I've been paying off my, my student loan debt for, for 12 years. She goes, I have already paid off what I borrowed. She goes, but I still owe $70,000 because of the interest. Yeah. She's like, all I've been paying toward is that interest. Yeah. And I find it very interesting that the, the biblical notion of loaning and debts and things like that is that that you're not supposed to do that. (laughs) And yet that's the system we're caught in. Jubilee. Yep. And and there's a whole
1: concept in scripture, Jubilee. We talked about it beginning of the summer, this concept of Jubilee. Right. What's the concept of Jubilee?
0: The concept of Jubilee is forgiveness of debts. Yep. Yep. Is is getting people back on their feet, so to speak, of of wiping it away and saying, Here's here's your, you know, we don't, uh, what, what the Bible, what scripture never wanted to happen for people, especially in, in, you know, in Israel when they were setting up this, this, when God was helping them set up the society, some of the rules and things that were in place, was to make sure generational poverty did not happen. That's, that, that was the, the big thing was you did not want people so in debt that they could never get out of it. And so there had to be a way in which that got forgiven, and that was, you know, taken care of. So there were time limits, and there were, you know, after 50 years, um, you know, if you'd had to sell your land and sell everything you own and whatever, and you had nothing left to leave your kids, which meant they were going to be in poverty and destitution, et cetera, et cetera, it was after 50 years, whatever you had had to get rid of came back to your family. And was was then a means through which you were able to, again, try and rebuild your life and rebuild your, um, at least, y- y- if not to you, to your kids, and that they were able then to do that. Now, did that actually happen? Was that actually lived out because humans get greedy and we don't necessarily like the way in which those kinds of things work? Um, I'm gonna go with not so much. Uh, <laughs> was not lived into the way it was supposed to, but I I think it's it's kind of that that vicious cycle and circle of where we tell people go do these things they go do them, and then they're still caught in the, in the problem of you know not being able to quote pull themselves up by their boot, their bootstraps because yeah. they don't have a boot to <laughs> to pull up mm-hmm. um, and that. That is an issue, you know. It, it's kind of one of those things. How does Job's life get restored? God gives it to him. Yep. It isn't that he worked his way back into it. It isn't that he somehow, you know, da 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 da. It becomes literally a gift from God that says, "Okay, I'm going to restore to you your 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 place and and your um, point." And something else that. Really struck me with this text though that I meant to talk about more, but here we are at the end, and never really got into it um, was the 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 social location of job and and his movement in that social location of being in very wealthy privileged kind of area and and then having to you know going down that path of of being destitute and 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 living a life with nothing. And I think about how often some people's lives that's their whole life. And yet they have this faith many times in the midst of their poverty and in the midst of that that is their the whole their whole life that's all they have known. Yep. And for me it it really was an interesting question of how does faith look, and how is faith different when you do have a lot of stuff and abundance and whatever, and your, your, your faith is kind of formed in the midst of that versus you were born into nothing, and you still live in nothing, and yet you have this faith that's born out of your poverty, yeah. and how do those faiths look different?
1: Yeah, so I, I asked that question of a classmate of mine in a seminary from Ethiopia, and his comment was, we have nothing else. Yeah. What we have is our faith. We don't have these other things to rely on. And asa- so, that, so I want to pause for a second and say, you know, if you're a person of wealth, that doesn't mean you can't have faith and you can't be a faithful yep. person. Job obviously had
0: faith. Right, I mean, absolutely. That's and, the and whole think, point of the story. And I,
1: th- I think sometimes it's hard, because it, wh- wh- with wealth, beca- I'm going to channel some Spider-Man here. You know, but change great it a little power. bit. Great power. You know, <laughs> the, spi- the line from Spider Man, Uncle Ben.
0: Great power comes great responsibility. It was, it was Uncle Ben, right? Yes.
1: You know, with, pay p- with great power comes great responsibility. I think in, in a biblical context, in the context of this, with great wealth comes great responsibility. There's um, actually
0: a biblical quote that says something to that. Yeah. Yep. To whom um, much has been given, much is expected. Right. Yes. Um,
1: not Spider Man ease, but. You know, I, again, it's the biblical it's, version yeah, of it's Uncle it's Ben. Biblical version, and, and that's not to say that you can't have you can't have wealth and have faith. That's absolutely not the case. You know, there are many people who are wealthy and have a, a tremendous amount of faith, um, and use their wealth, you know, as a means to an end for that fa- for their faith and live it out that way. Um, and I think that's that's what we're called to do. Um, and and I, I I think we both agree on this one. You know, ninety nine percent of the time exception to maybe Joel Osteen and maybe um, uh, wow who's the Amazon dude Jeff Bezos that's it Jeff Bezos it's not about it's not about wealth being evil or bad or in on an individual level it's the systems They're and the si- and the systemic ways in which poverty is is perpetuated that I know that and that's exploited. Yeah, exploited. And 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 that's where you and I kind of rail against and some and we, we get some pushback from time to time. Um
0: Yeah, we, we don't like the exploitation of uh of, of poor people. It's that we don't have a problem correct. with people having wealth and being rich and, and whatever. Our our problem is if, if that, that wealth, et cetera, is gotten at the expense of poor people.
1: Yeah. I, I mean so do do our ultra wealthy folks ultra ultra wealthy you know do we need to race to get to outer space or maybe could we race to end homelessness or hunger or I mean which is a more noble cause and if you're and if, if I, I I you have to really be And don't get me wrong extremely persuasive to tell me that space is the is the answer to that don't,
0: question. Don't, don't get me wrong. I think there are benefits to space travel. Um, we came up with technologies like mammograms, et cetera, through the space program. So, I mean, there's, there's a benefit. So, when some, you know, sometimes oh. people are completely, oh, well, what, why, why on earth are we doing this? I'm like, I do understand what, one side of that. Correct. The, the, there Either, are advancements, I understand the scientific yeah, side of it. There Absolutely. are advancements we make for everyday people. Yeah. That come out of doing some of that stuff, right? But talking, to go for a joyride. I'm talking
1: joyride. you talking and, the joyride. I'm talking a joyride in a really weird shaped spaceship, yeah, uh, rocket ship, to just psh, oh, I'm in space. Up, oh, I'm not in space. Okay, good. Wow, I'm so glad I spent. I don't even know how much. I don't even know what the tab on that was, and frankly, I don't want to, and that's a priority over feeding people and housing people, you know. We have the ability to end all of these issues—hunger, homelessness. Yes. We can eradicate those if we choose to.
0: We just don't choose to. We
1: choose not to. We yep. choose to, you know, take a John into space um, for a joyride and, yeah. and and things like that that yeah but are I, are excessive and 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 frankly, you know, talk about exploitation, kind of, you know, I, and I believe, man, I really like to wail on Jeff Bezos. I believe in his speech. He he thanked the folks at the workers at Amazon for allowing him for I don't remember rough language here, but essentially he thanked them for, the giving, workers him the at, for giving him the opportunity. Well, they gave him the opportunity because of crappy working conditions, poor pay, no health care, and those things. And here's a news flash. Even if he did those things, dude could still take a joyride to space if he wanted to. Yeah. So it's yeah. really hollow and short sighted to say, hey, I want to thank the folks um, who work for me for allowing me the opportunity to go to space. Yeah, uh, I think maybe they would al- really appreciate the opportunity to um, have health care for their families um, and maybe not going to debt should they have a health crisis or something along those lines. Yeah. Again, it's, it's systems. It's systems.
0: Yeah, and and like I said, and there's also, uh, for me with the story of Job again, is, is the issue is not that just because you... you you're wealthy and have means or whatever. Because part of Job, you know, was that he helped people. That was kind of what made him so righteous, was that yep. he, he was out there helping people and whatever, so why on earth did this happen to him? Because he was doing all the good things. Um, so he was not a Jeff Bezos. Yeah, right. that, that was the, thing, the yep. point, is, is Job was, was wealthy, but he was, he was um, altruistic and, and generous and all those other kinds of things. And yet this still befell him. And um, I, I, like I said, for me, the big, the, the interesting kind of huh moment is that that recognition of of how faith. Um so, you know, I, I guess I, I see it so often as when, when we are in a place of privilege and wealth and bad things happen, it is harder for us to cling to our faith, I think, sometimes because we, we are like, why on earth did this happen to me? Why am I, you know, why, why, why now am I, I destitute and whatever? Yep. And yet I, again, you know, you talk about the, the guy, was it Ethiopia? Yep. Yeah. Who is like, well, but that's my daily life. That's, you know that's yeah. that's all I've ever known yep, that's what I got so it it, it it kind of for me is sort of one of those um, if you have been in that sort of upper echelon sort of place in society where where things have been comfortable which I have been my whole life Same. I've always been in a you know where there times right after college where I struggled a little bit of course but was I ever you know, destitute. No, I was never. And, and I always had a cushion. I always had the parents that always said they would come get me, you know, kind of thing. So there was always that that safety net that not everybody has. Yep. Um, so I've always had that my entire life. And um, to recognize for some people that just isn't there. And, you know, I, I got to take some chances in life because it was sort of a Hey, you know, now's the time to do this, try it. If I fail, oh well, you know, I, there's I I know I won't be living on the street. Yeah. And um for for other people when they have to, you know, they they either can't take those chances and 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 try it. Yep. Um because they're like no way. I've got to, you know, <laughs> one misstep and I'm I'm done. Yep. And so even though I, like I said, I, I went through something where my life kind of fell apart, it didn't fall apart in the way Job's did, where it was everything. I, I was not, I, you know, I was not sitting on the street <laughs> just right. crying in my rags um, right. with, with, you know, terrible health condition and all that kind of stuff. Because, um, and to see Job, and, and that's kind of the whole point of the story is can you go from, from this, this really up here place of society to this place and still retain your faith. And that was kind of the question from the get-go from Satan is, can you take somebody who yep. has been up here and yep. that has had this and take them down here and will it stay? Yep. Is it possible? Yep. And the story of Job for me is, yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's the point of the story is, yes, it is. It is possible. Yep. If you have a strong enough faith, if you have a, a, a connection with God, whatever happens even if you get mad and angry and upset and whatever, that faith is still there. That, that faith can still be there. So it's not a knock on, on, again, so it's not a knock on having faith if you're, you're wealthy or whatever, that it's somehow going to miraculously disappear. If you lose it all, it's that, right. no, it does, it, it, it can be what sustains you and, and continues. And I think you come out of those kinds of situations probably a little wiser.
1: <laughs> I think so
0: a little, like that was the whole point of our text today was looking for wisdom as you come out of those things a little wiser with a little more understanding and with more empathy because you're like wow I get how this happens
1: and we could use more empathy yes
0: we definitely need more empathy in the world so we're at time
1: next week, next week is a demonic bacon
0: awesome we love legion
1: yeah we love bacon
0: and pigs going off cliffs yeah So we will see you next week for that lovely story.
1: I won't talk about hamsters next week, just pigs. Good.
0: All right. See you in a week.
1: Bye.